This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Hi, I'm Adam. Thank you very much for downloading episode 14 of the Fight Disciples podcast. On this week's show, I take the mick out of my colleague, Nick Pete. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't even tell you. Couldn't even tell you. It wasn't in the gym. It wasn't playing football. It was just I woke up with it. Tony Moran tells us about the time he took a UFC legend to cream. Well, I met Hoist Gracie in the Liverpool City Centre Contest Square with uh, another lad, Colin, who was with, um, who was standing in Contest Square. I'm only 21, 22, so I'm effectively standing with the new hardest man on the planet, aren't I? <laughs> Lovely man, by the way, with his brother. And if he's not revved up enough, I rev him up even more. Tony. <laughs> Mate, you're good at that. You're good at the whistling. That's very good. <laughs> very good, lad. You're not in the vicinity of anybody that uh, you fancy decking at this moment in time, because I know what that song does to you. You all right? Yes, I'm okay, mate. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, when I hear that music, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, the air's on the back of my neck stand for me. It's the greatest song that's ever been made. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, now then, for regular listeners um, of the podcast, you'll know that I do this with a gentleman by the name of Nick Pete. Normally we're in the studio together, looking at each other in each other's eyes, uh, getting intimate with our chats on UFC and boxing. Uh, however, the delay on this week's podcast, only by a few hours, but I'm sure that if you tuned in on Wednesday morning expecting it to be in your inbox and you had to wait till Wednesday tea time, uh, there's a reason for that. It's because one of us is... Um, is incapacitated, I think is uh, the correct terminology. Nick, as um, in his own words, this is what he, he messaged me, he's torn his buttocks. That's what that, that, that's what he said. I've torn my ass, mate. I can't come in, so we're going to have to do this over the phone. How are you, pal? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm dosed up to the eyeballs, so... Explain. How do you tear your ass? I don't even want to... Do I want to know how you've torn your ass? <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't even tell you. Couldn't even tell you. It wasn't in the gym. It wasn't playing football. It was just I woke up with it, big cramps, and uh... has Dwayne been round again? Has he? Has he been round? Yeah, exactly. has... <laughs> yeah the Rock. That's why they call him the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> big Dwayne Johnson's been back round. That's why you're a bit sore, son. That's why you can't walk. So, uh, so I basically spent the last two days on all fours, which is nice. <laughs> but anyone who's anyone who's listening to Tad Sayaska, well, I know will not be laughing right now. They'll be like, oh, God, yeah. So the the actual the, the terminology is that you have got sciatica. You've hurt your back, which has gone into your bum and down the back of your legs, and you can't walk. Can't walk, can't sit, which is so Oof. frustrating. You're basically crawling around the house with me uh, 17-year-old son thinking I'm a moving climbing frame. Oh, so, mate. Uh, there you go. I know. doesn't help that you've got a heavily pregnant wife as well, mate. You got all. Is she doing all the lifting as well now? It's all happening, yeah. It's all go. I'm able to do small five-minute bursts of energy before it drop back down to all fours. So we're just getting to This is being recorded on the day that Liverpool are in Europa League action as well tonight. I'm sure that Nick will find himself a lovely little place in the house where he's all comfortable with a couple of tins just to see himself through as they take on Seville. I was supposed to be going out with all the lads as well. Not happening, lad. Not happening. Shelved. Shelved. Um, well, let's take a quick look back, seeing as that you're incapacitated at UFC 199. I was uh, extremely excited to talk to you about this because 
Um, this is probably one of the first ones. I mean, the John Jones one um, uh, with uh, OSP, it didn't really live up to the billing. However, this one, uh, UFC 198, is probably the most uh, named card that I've got excited about since a, Mar- a McGregor card. And that's how UFC's kind of gone in, su- in such a period of time. There were two fights on this that we were both excited about pre- and then they lived up to it post, especially the heavyweight contest. You predicted this. You said that it would change hands. Well done you, mate. You've got one right. I know, exactly. Deepi Majocic, the new heavyweight champion. It was a sensational performance, wasn't it? But um, I just didn't see it. You know, while I predicted it, just because the history of the UFC heavyweight belt, you know, no one's had it for a period of time. No one's ever made two successful defences. So the history was uh, was hanging over the bit over doing like the grim death mm. um, so I just had a feeling it was going to change hands but see, for me my Ochich just looked zeroed in he looked super confident he was strutting on his way to the octagon you know, the fact there was 45,000 Brazilians in the first ever yeah. event just didn't seem to phase him meanwhile Vadum come out and he was pulling funny faces like he had been doing all week during the, you know, the weigh-ins and the press conference pulling funny faces he looked like he had his mum or you know, a, a senior female member of the Vadum family in his corner. It just, it just felt wrong. You know, it just didn't mm. feel like he was as zoomed in as you need to be when you're, you know, in such a high-profile event. Meanwhile, Majocic, you know, you could just see he was laser focused. So yeah. before he, before the first bell went, I thought Majocic is winning this. But then, as we've seen in the fight itself. Vadum give it to him. Yeah. He just charge them down. It, it, it just looked like, you know, this is Vadum, who's the best black belt, best BJJ guy in the heavyweight division. So what does he do? He, he, he literally run at Majocic, who, as we talked about, as you pointed out last week, his biggest strength is his boxing. Yeah. Who runs at a striker? Nobody runs at a striker, do they? Exactly. So he just run at him. Majocic literally took one step <laughs> to the right and just went bingo with the right hand. It was the... Two, it, was the, uh, it was a gift for him, wasn't it? Yeah, two things on the knockout. Firstly, um, the punch that he threw on the back foot. He wasn't even putting his weight into it. It was unbelievable, the timing that he nailed him with. The second point that I'd like to make on the knockout, have you ever seen a knockout in the UFC being greeted with silence? I know. It was crazy, <laughs> wasn't it? It was just literally like the whole place just went... <gasps> What's just happened? <laughs> the only noise you could hear were people choking on their hot dogs, just like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the only noise you could hear was my Ochich's corner, obviously, yeah. celebrating and jumping around. You're literally 45,000 people just got silenced in, a, in an instant. No, absolutely. So, uh, but, yeah, it was a it was an incredible knockout. And as you say, it was it was Vadum's own momentum. Yeah. That seemed to put the effort into the shot. Don't get me wrong. It was a perfectly timed shot, caught him clean across the chin. But it was Vadum's momentum rushing forward that uh, that generated most of the power. And that sets up a lovely uh, uh, heavyweight bout now with Alistair Overeem, probably in New York at the back end of the year. Yeah, well, Vadum come out straight after the fight and was kind of demanding an immediate rematch. But, you know, it was, it reminded, it's like when Jose Aldo got... Bingo. You go to the back of the queue, man, don't you? That's what happens. Exactly. You, you got knocked out. End of. And that's the way it should be, you know. Rematch, you know, fight sports at the moment has been dogged by the word rematch, in my opinion. I hate them. Unless a fight's super close, you should never get a rematch. Yeah. Uh, unless, on you know, the judges have, have robbed someone. That's the only like. If someone just gets beat, tough. Mm. You're the champ. You're lost fair and square. Take it like a man. Mm. Go and get a couple of wins and come back to the table. You know, I think I want to see Overeem fight for the belt now. He's already mentioned the fact that he's been promised this is his shot in New York. 
Uh, I just hope that comes true now. Because Overeem, when he first came to the UFC, everyone was getting excited about Overeem, especially the UFC top brass. And he's the, uh, you know, he's the guy that really could take it, I feel, could take the heavyweight division to the next level. So I really hope he gets his shot on Merocic. Just on the middleweights, you uh, have been oh. you've been a massive fan of Jacarez for quite a period of time, and you keep rattling on to me about this fella, Blumen Ekmer. He is something else. He will give the winner of Weidman or Rockhold a serious test. Well, the, this is the key thing. Weidman pulled out about an hour ago. I'm hearing Weidman pulled out today of UFC 199. Yeah, look at that. See, look at this. This is breaking it. This is why you're here, mate. You know this stuff. You've got the fingers on the pulses. UFC 199. There you go. Bit of breaking news. So uh, he's out. Rockhold is now looking for a defence. Last I heard, Michael Bispin obviously threw his name in the ring. Of course he has. Of course he has. But Jack Array, you know, he finishes. uh, He he finished the main man there, Vita Belfort, in, in, in. Double quick time. I, I doubt he's got too much, too many issues going on. So I certainly wouldn't rule that fight out. He's only got four uh, weeks to figure that out, though, hasn't he? If he's if he's fresh, get him straight back in. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the medical report from Brazil yet, so they will have been checked by the doctor afterwards, and mm. they will have made an announcement, or they they should have made an announcement by now, actually, in terms of who's available and who's banned for. Usually, they get banned for thirty days to see if they took any kind of any kind of knocks. So. That might be unlikely, so it may, it may well be Jacare uh, remains in reserve. But yet, at the moment, they're looking for a replacement opponent for Luke Rockhold. What's the reason that Weidman's pulled out there? All I'd heard this morning was that through my drug, drug phased whitewash of a morning. <laughs> I reckon you've uh, dreamt it. I reckon you, that's what you've done, haven't you? You've hallucinated you know maybe, it. Maybe we should check that out. Yeah, maybe let's just check that out before we. Uh, before we crack on, but yeah, I got a, a message this morning off one of my teams saying that uh, saying that he was out, Weidman was out, and Rockhold was looking for an opponent. This is actually the future of our podcast. Get you high as a kite, and you can make your own headlines. <laughs> and just make stuff up, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm just noting that down for next week. We're just going to get you stoned and say, right, what's going on in the world of uh, fight it's sports this week? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I've seen. Well, uh, Chuck Liddell. <laughs> he's back in the game and he's going to fight Michael Bispin. Is he really? <laughs> no, I like it. It's a great card. Successful as well in Brazil. It was the first time that they've attempted uh, the stadium. Um, I think it went down extremely well. Like I say, uh, without McGregor being on a card, I was locked right in all the way through it. And the, the main bill, the top card, lived up to its expectation and roll on UFC 199, whatever they put on there now. Well, Chris Cyborg as well, you know, making a UFC debut. Every, anyone that followed MMA for a period of time knows what this girl's all about. She's an absolute monster. She literally has tore her way through the female competition. She's the best fighter in the world, bar none. Um, prior to the UFC introducing women's MMA. When they introduced women's MMA, it was on the back of Ronda Rousey. These girls were two different weight divisions, but when Ronda broke through, um, everyone knew that Cyborg was the best featherweight female fighter on the planet. She just didn't have the biggest stage to put it on. She debuted on Saturday. She'd done it at 140, which was a catchweight between featherweight and bantamweight, hinting towards her long-term future in the UFC being a bantamweight, which is obviously Ronda, Misha, Holly Holmes weight class. Hmm. She looked sensational, absolutely sensational. And to be honest, she's a game changer because she's got an incredible nutritionist working in the corner, a guy called George Lockhart. He's for me the best nutritionist in the game right now. Him and Mike Dolce, the best guys in mixed martial arts. 
He's in his corner. He told me last year that she can definitely do one three five. They're just doing it gradually. When she gets down to one three five, Misha Tate, Wanda Rousey, Holly Holm, the rest, you've been put on notice because Cyborg is a machine. And she proved it on Saturday night why there's so much hype behind her. Mm. As I say, she could be a game changer. She could be the one female athlete that takes that belt and runs away with it for the next five years. Um, just finally, um, Chris White, the Chris Myron thing. I'm just making sure that you wasn't just on crack this morning. Um, um, nothing confirmed by the, crack this morning or best part. Of <laughs> nothing confirmed by the UFC at this moment in time, but the reports are that he is injured. Um, doesn't actually give us any specifics on his injury. Uh, but Weidman uh, out with his uh, rematch. Cause remember, this is a rematch uh, with Luke Rocco, who was absolutely sensational when he uh, beat Chris Weidman for the uh, middleweight championship, UFC 199. That'll be interesting to see who they do get in. Um, when we find out, we will let you know uh, via the podcast. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Uh, now then, onto the world of boxing. Nick, you put me onto uh, a lad that you've been following for some time. His story is absolutely sensational. Tony Moran, the homeless world champ, I think he's what he's now referred to as. Unbelievable story. Incredible, you know, one of the nicest guys in boxing as well. He, uh, he spent his career, funnily enough, he crosses over Tony, he spent a lot of time in mixed martial arts as well. He used to be a sparring partner. Michael Bispin, Rampage Jackson, all the guys at Wolf Slayer up in Widnes. Yeah. His background, when he was younger, he was a karate champion, you know, for many years. Mm-hmm. And then he rocked into John Smith's gym one day and said, I want to be a professional boxer and John Smith was the, well, I think he, he walked into a couple of gyms and John Smith was the only Liverpool trainer who said, go on, I'll, I'll give you the chance. And, uh, you know, he tried his hand at boxing and people called him crazy because he was well into his 30s when he even started boxing. He'd never boxed amateur before, but uh, his story is just sensational, you know. Like he, his day job was working with the homeless of Liverpool mm. and he used to box in an evening. And then, unfortunately, circumstances found it that he himself became homeless. Well, there's, there, to chase his passion. there's a feature length interview that we've got now on uh, uh, Fight Disciple. So if you subscribe to the podcast, you can listen to the whole of that. He's an intriguing character, he's Tony around. But one of the stories that he told me that still has me laughing now uh, is when he met Ison uh, Gracie in Liverpool uh, when he was a doorman at Cream and he invited him for a night out around Liverpool and he went with him. So I was working on the Cream nightclub when I was about 21, 22. This at Nation? Yeah, and Cream and Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the UFC had just formed then. I mean, the original UFC. And, and Hoist Gracie was the original UFC winner of one and two, I believe. I don't know if he won three, but I think it was around the second one he won. And he, he was he was, he was was banking, his, banking um, the fame he just achieved and was coming to do seminars in the UK. So we, we believed that the UFC was just like this brutal fight sport. And we went to the seminar in Bolton, me and all the door lads. And tracksuits and quite scruffy and stuff. We walked into this uh, arena and it was like pristine white suits, all the black belts. Because Hoist Gracie does prove to the world that uh, Jiu Jitsu was the number one fighting art. That's, yeah. what, he, that's what he'd essentially done. Remember the old format that he yeah, had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a boxer, a kickboxer. And no one, no one was like cross, crossing over. It was just like your purest sport. And he just proved that, he, that BJJ was the number one fighting art. So he was a, he was a hero, he was a god. So he had all like the top. Jiu Jitsu guys in the country all there to pay him homage, and we all just fucked in our trackies. Didn't have a clue what was going on. They're all kitted up in their gear. Yeah, and we just stayed, and we thought it was going to be like a street fighting seminar. And um, but anyway, I just went up to Hoist at the end and I said, "I work on the Cream Nightclub." I said, "If you want to come later, feel free. <laughs> give me, give me his, give me, give him my number." 
han du slet ikke kigge i skavt, ja. Han du slet, han er så mit... Jeg vil bare et højst græs, hvis du kommer til grin. Jeg vil bare et højst græs, hvis du kommer til grin. Og så er mit, mit sidste tæt i et bæddag, party before I was going to work, og jeg har fået en kåre, hey man, det er højst, hvad er det? Edgeley McDonald's. Jeg vil bare et højst græs, hvis du kommer til grin. Hvad er det med højst græs, hvis du kommer til City Center Contest Square, hvor der er noget, der er Colin, hvor jeg var Um, we were standing in Constance Square. I'm only 21, 22. So I'm effectively standing with the new artist man on the planet, aren't I? Lovely man, by the way, with his brother. Can but I just ask at that point, did, 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 because UFC was so young, did, did anybody know who he was? No, apart from a few doormen in town. So, um, so we got all the photos anyway. And then get on this, 10 years later, he comes back when I was at the Wolf Slayer and he's saying with um, Tony, one of the, the main BJJ guys in Liverpool, And, and was he still fighting at this point? Or did he no, he was in? just going around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, this is what type of man he is. He remembered me from 10 years previously. <laughs> I'd asked about me and come to Wolf's Lair to see me to say hello. So imagine all the people in the world he's met. He's a, he's a hero, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not saying... He, I'm not saying I'm, and, no, no, no. You, you just, showed him a night in, in cream, mate. I showed you showed him a night out, yeah. So he remembered. And, <laughs> and he come to Wolf's Lair and then I got another photo with him 10 years later. Did he Did he go to cream or did he just knock no, about we in... No, we took him all around town then took him to cream. I was working. I was meant to be working. I never got into two hours late. Like I said, the full feature-length interview from Tony Moran is available now on Fight Disciples. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Looking ahead to this weekend... Um, we are turning our attention towards the TV channel Dave. Back on Dave. Dave's on Dave this weekend, my friend, against the geezer that we can't even pronounce, so I'll just go with... It's a, I think it's Djurjig or something like that. Uh, with you, yeah. David Hay, uh, the heavyweight, back in action at the O2 Arena. He sells tickets, he puts bums on seats, there's this fella. He's fighting a fella that we can't pronounce, so we'll call him the Cobra. Um... It's a, it's a gimme fight, isn't it? I mean, I can't really get too excited about this until he fights somebody proper. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, David's had a, a couple of years out of the sport, hasn't he? And that, this is how boxing works, certainly heavyweight boxing. This is how it, you know, this is it takes time for these guys to get back into back to the the highest level. And David David Hay is the highest level. He's a world class operator. You know, I'd love to see him fight AJ. I'd love to see, see him fight Tyson Fury. Although that would never happen. Um, and these are the fights out there for him. So right now, he doesn't want to scupper any of those plans by going in with some, somebody else we have not really heard of, but is a legit contender. This guy this weekend, like his like his former opponent, his record sounds impressive. But when you investigate the record, you know it's it, it paper opponents that this guy's been beaten and knocking over. Mm. This should really be another gimme fight for David Hay, and it's uh, it's all about getting him back on top, back in contention for the world title. And, uh, you know, for me, David Hay, already, just the fact that he's back in the heavyweight division is certainly top 10 in the world. So, uh, you know, these are just the fights that he just needs to have a bit of a tune-up. And then hopefully there's bigger fights for him down the line. Might be um, getting back in the ring with maybe a Derek Chisora or something like that, just to get the juices flowing once again. Obviously, he was in action last weekend and came up short, Derek Chisora. Um He needs something like that, doesn't he? Because I don't think it's the next fight that'll be an Anthony Joshua or a Tyson Fury or something like that. He's probably going to need another two or three before he's seriously considered for a voluntary with the likes of AJ. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to get straight up into the voluntary position. But think what David Hay brings to the table, which 99.9% of these other guys who may have a, a good ranking, what he brings to the table that they don't is this weekend, you know, he's got his own, basically he's got his own TV channel. <laughs> gets big numbers he sells out the O2 arena he's got a massive following he's got a massive celebrity following mm. and you know his, uh, his mainstream appeal 
is what a lot of boxers are, are, are chasing. You know, that's what they're looking for themselves. Mm. David Hay brings that to the table. So he is an attractive opponent for anybody. The reason it won't fight with Tyson, Tyson Fury will never fight him, of course, is that they've been scheduled to fight twice before and on both occasions David Hay pulled out cost him a few quid didn't he cost uh, Tyson a lot of money no way in the world certainly now he's the champion will Tyson Fury ever fight David Hay Mm. but 100% the fight with AJ is definitely a goer and you know that's a fight I'd like to see next I think you're probably right Adam I think we'll have this fight and maybe another one before the end of the year but I'd like to see AJ fight David Hay I think David Hay's a tougher fight than Brazil or whoever AJ's fighting next yeah um you know, so let fights happen. I think that would sell out a, a huge arena in in Wembley, uh, in in London. Certainly, if if not Wembley Arena, then certainly uh, you know it'd sell out the O2. I'm sure in about twenty minutes. So it's a fight that should happen. Um, it's certainly a pay per view fight for Sky as well. Certainly one that HBO in America are into because David Hayes obviously a name in America. You've got to try thinking that way now because well, AJ's, AJ's got his showtime. Yeah, he's got his showtime deal. Well, showtime deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You know, if they're going to be looking to put him into big fights mm. um, that they can really start building up and put 24-7 shows around and everything else. So it wouldn't be surprised if the David Hay fight came off before the end of this year um, or putting towards, you know, potentially a, a big unification fight for the UK early in 2017. Uh, that's this weekend. Next week on this podcast, uh, we will be with pretty Ricky Conlon. Uh, also known as uh, Tony Bellew, uh, I caught up with him recently just for a little bit of banter, just to get uh, just to get the appetite wet, just in case it's not wet enough. Here he is, Tony. <laughs> He's... Mate, you're good at that. You're good at the whistling. That's very good. Very good, lad. You're not in the vicinity of anybody that uh, you fancy decking at this moment in time, because I know what that song does to you. You're right. Yes, I'm okay, mate. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, when I hear that music, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, the air's on the back of my neck stand, but mate, it's the greatest song that's ever been made. Well, let's be straight. 29th of May, I don't think it's in question what uh, music you're going to be walking out to on that particular night. Imagine oh. that inside Goodison. When you're stood at the top of the ramp, yeah. it all, all the lights go off, you hear the drums. Is that going to be the greatest moment? When you hear them air raid sirens, they're going to know I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, Brotherson Park is going to know I'm walking. I'm, I'm, I'm just, they know I'm coming. So the air raid siren is letting them know the bombs are coming. And then all of a sudden we are going to hear the loudest Zed cars Goodison Park has ever heard. And hopefully the loud, one of the loudest cheers and roars Goodison Park's ever heard as well when they lay eyes on me. Uh, I've got plans for an exciting new kit. Just everything, you know, I'm, I'm looking so forward to this fight. I'm so excited. Does it make it extra special, Tony, that it's on your uh, your lad's birthday as well? Uh, do you know what? It, it means the world. It just means the world to me. Oh, this whole event, the, the timing of it, everything. Uh, like I said, my son's eighth birthday. There's just so many things that mean so much. But ultimately, I'm going to keep my wits about me and mm. this is business first and foremost. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do a clinical job, stick to the game plan. And the biggest present that will give me son and give me and my family is taking on that green and gold belt, and I'm going to do it. Well, let's be straight. Out of all the belts, and this is no disrespect to any other champion that holds any other belt in any other uh, governing body, the WBC, the green and gold, it's the best one, yeah. isn't it? It's the best one, Tony, come oh, on. A, uh, you, you ask any boxer uh, what belt he want to lift and what one he wants, and they all say the green and gold. It, I don't know what it is about it, because in my opinion, 
all world titles, they're legitimate world titles, they're all prestigious belts. Yeah. But I don't know when your kids growing up, I don't know what it is. There's just something about that green and gold belt. It it kind of it kind of legitimizes when you look through the weight classes. Usually, the best guy holds the WBC belt in each division. Yeah. Uh, that's usually the case. I mean, it's, I don't think it's the case in some of the weight divisions right now, like heavyweight and uh, and other weight divisions. But in most of them, I would say 80%, you would usually find the WBC champion is the best fighter in the world at that weight. And uh, that's going to be the case on the 29th of May. Good lad. Let's talk about uh, the gigs that you're going up against, mate, because uh, you mentioned their game yeah. plan. Patience, from your point of view, is going to be a key ma- key matter here, isn't it? Because this kid, yes. at, at, at moments in fights, I've seen him a couple of times. At moments in fights, he does switch off, and it's 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 key yeah. that you take advantage when he does. It is, and you know, listen, I, I'm I'm also known as one who switches off at times, but I just don't think I'll be able to switch off when I'm in Goodison Park. I think every single hair on my body will be switched on, never mind my brain. So <laughs> it's uh, I'll be electric that night. I, I'll be on it. And I've just got to stay focused. I've got a fantastic coach in Dave Caldwell. And he's not just a fantastic coach, he's my friend as well. So yeah. he's someone who can be straight with me, tell me how it is. Like he done in the last fight, the Master Neck fight, that was a big, big fight yeah. and a big, big test. And, and I came through and, it, and he was a big part to play in that. So, you know, you'll see in this fight, we've come such a long way and I've improved such an awful amount under his tutelage. Mm. Uh, like I said, I've got a really good team around me as well, keep me feet on the floor. People always said to me when after the movie that, you know, this might be them doing of me and I might have forgot where I was coming from and stuff like that. And then if they believed that or thought it was ever going to happen, they only had to look at me. It was a trench war. I came through with flying colours and no movie's gone to my head. I'm still the same kid, uh, hungry as ever and as determined as ever. And I'm May the 29th. I'm going to fulfil my destiny and that's always been to be a WBC world champion. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. You've known Tony quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, I've known him for a very long time. Yeah, I followed him when he first, when his first ever uh, ABA novice, his novice ABA heavyweight title, one of, I think it was six or seven altogether, ABA titles that he won. And uh, I remember the first time I seen him box and I thought, oh, this guy's just a puncher. He's just a puncher. He's got there's nothing else about him. He's just he just goes gun cold and loads up on his punches. <laughs> but uh, he proved me wrong that year in the ABA Championships by going all the way and winning it. And uh, you know he's been proving me wrong ever since because he's the full package, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's uh, he's absolutely the full package. Sensational boxer, sensational puncher. Got an incredible chin. You know, if anybody's going to bring you the next world title back to Liverpool, it's Tony Bellew. And, and he's a movie star. Again, movie star, mate. That's and what he's it a is. movie star, yeah. But mm. plus, you know, we say this, I feel like we say this every week, Adam, but one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, he's a top lad. It, it freaks me out. People that think Tony Bellew is the Tony Bellew you see on Sky Sports arguing at press conference and mm. pushing and shoving at Williams. Mm. That's not him at all. But well, that's, that's his persona. That's what sells and... You know that's what doesn't well in boxing. That's certainly what got him a gig to be in the in the latest Rocky movie. So listen, it couldn't couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It's at his dream location, and uh, you know I can't wait till next week's show. And we give it a real good countdown. Next time with the fight As Nick said, Tony Bellew will be our in studio guest next week as we build up to May the 29th, when hopefully he becomes the WBC cruiserweight champion of the world. Uh, and of course, uh, the card just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So we'll be previewing that big one at Goodison next week on the podcast. Will your backside be uh, sorted for next week, mate? I hope so, mate. I hope so. I'm sick of being on all fours. I know what the dog feels like. 
Get your wife to rub some Vagisol in, pal. That'll get it going. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.